Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete. I'm Kerry Rouse, and I travel to racetracks around the U.S., where I interview members of the racing community and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. I'm here with Diane Carter, and Diane is uh, tuning in with us uh, from Houston, right, Diane? That is correct. All right. Well, I know Diane for about two and a half years. I've uh, raced with Diane and her husband, Kent, and he was one of my first guests on the podcast. Um, but both of you are heavily involved with um, the SCCA, and um, you more than just uh, racing, you also do a lot of the um, time and scoring and things like that. So I want to I want to dig into those things to help people understand what that process is and okay. what done and everything. So that'd be awesome. But so let's just start with you telling us what is your world right now for motorsport racing? Like, what do you do and what's your, what's kind of happening for you right now? Well, uh, right now we're, you know, being in Houston and it's warm. So we're actually kind of winding down our race season already. We've kind of been racing since January. So we start early and end early. Um, so I was just racing, I guess it was two weekends ago at Motorsport Ranch Houston. And I was in my Spec Miata, uh, but I was, act I was in my Spec Miata, but I was actually racing in STL. So we had a, had a good group of, of racers. Actually, I think there were like seven STL cars there. So we had a, had a good, good representation there. So, um, and I also raced at Eagles Canyon earlier in May. So, of course, as you mentioned, with timing and scoring, I default more to do timing and scoring rather than racing, uh, just because I'm the divisional administrator. So I had to make have to make sure that uh, the timing happens. I've got a great, great crew of people that help me with that. So um, so when I can and I have enough people, then that gives me the opportunity to do both the racing as well as the timing and scoring. So, yeah, and you have so that's to sometimes kind of what I've juggle been up the, to most recently. And you have to sometimes juggle the timing of getting on track and getting back into the timing of scoring booth. Yes, so, and sometimes I'll I'll pick which class I run depending on the classes around me and how busy things are going to be either before or after my session. So, what does it mean? So, what was your title again? I'm the uh, divisional uh, timing and scoring administrator. So for the Southwest okay. division. Okay. South, yeah. So, what, so for folks listening, what is, what does that mean? And it's all volunteer work, right? That is correct. Yes. So what that means is I guess I'm, I'm the person responsible for making sure that the races that occur in the Southwest division, uh, get all basically all the timing responsibilities for that. So if I, you know, I have a small group of, of volunteers that I work with. Some divisions have a few more volunteers. So the administrator can just make sure that if somebody's qualified in that particular region, like, you know, if I had somebody in the Texas region, 
I would make sure that the races at Eagles Canyon and Crescent are have their team of people that will do the, uh, you know, handle the, the timing software, make sure the results are posted timely and make sure that Topeka gets the results um, when they need them as well so that they can count the points for the entire, um, you know, country. They add the points up. So, um, but as a, as a small team, so I tend to be the person that goes and actually does runs the timing software and gets the results posted um, for most of the events in South Div. Got it. So what which tracks are included in the Southwest Division? So we have uh, uh, MSR Crescent, which is in Granbury. Uh, we have Eagles Canyon, which is up in Decatur, uh, Circuit of the Americas in Austin, uh, and then Motorsport uh, Ranch Houston uh, down in here in Houston. Of course, uh, it's actually in like Angleton. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that is all the current active tracks. I and I have gone over to like New Orleans for the at the track at NOLA when we used to have races there and and run those as well. But that's Technically, I think that's considered Southeast, but got it. that's, that's yeah. all of our tracks currently. <laughs> so talk about in the last time you, when you were at um, Eagles Canyon, I remember you talking about you had just like ramped up on learning some new thing because somebody else wasn't going to be there to do it or something. So there's different roles for the timing and scoring, right? Yes, there are. So of course it's, we have our computer system so that it's orbits that we use. And so that's what captures the transponder readings as the transponders that are on the car, as they go over the start finish loop, um, making sure that those transponders, you know, the signal hits and we capture it basically. So that's the orbit software. But as we all know with computers, things happen, uh, networks go out, uh, software crashes. So we also have a backup uh, system. It's all manual. And it's really just people uh, writing down the car numbers as they go by. So as we, you know, we always have our drivers, you know, they, they have these beautiful cars and they have, but the, numbers that they put on their cars may be kind of secondary to everything else that they have to worry about with the car. So sometimes we have to gripe a little bit to the driver if we can't read their number or their the color of the vinyl is not doesn't have enough contrast compared to the color of the car. So it's really kind of hard to read or too small or, you know, a myriad of things. But um, so but and the reason it's important for the drivers to know that is because we do have to have that as a manual backup to the computer system that we hope doesn't crash, but sometimes does. <laughs> so, so we have to keep those, those numbers uh, written down in their order. So we can always go back to those if, and enter those in manually into the computer if needed. But that's just the, that's just so, the order of I the think cars, right? Do you, I mean, is, do you guys manually keep track of the, of the lap times too? Not, no, not manually. Because in in a race, it doesn't matter what your lap time is. It really matters in which order you finish is really kind of the most important part. So I know uh, back in the day, 
the, the, they did have people with timer, you know, with stopwatches and would actually mark down the car number and their lap time uh, to be entered in or calculated manually so that they could keep up with the, you know, things like track records and, um, you know, uh, uh, making sure that the, the fastest cars are, are recognized. But in today's uh, system with the, we don't really need the, the stopwatch as much as we just need to make sure that we know what cars are in which position. Got it. Well, how many, I mean, you, you could get, you could have a big race out there. You could have like 60 cars and a big clump of them go over the start finish at the same time. How, how many people are <laughs> yes. trying to keep track of that? Well, it kind of depends on how many volunteers there I have. Sometimes it's one and sometimes it's seven. <laughs> and we do miss cars on occasion. So, so if, yeah, if there's like, especially uh, uh, groups like Spec Miata, where the cars are so closely competitive and there could easily be 10 cars that go over the the line in a, in a matter of, you know, a second or two. And that's, that's very hard to keep up and not very often that you can always catch all those numbers. So, but the next, if you see them on the next lap, you kind of know that they probably crossed, crossed the, the last time as well. So, yeah. Um, so what, what are the different roles? There's, there's different responsibilities for people that are doing this, right? Yes. Um, obviously, you have your computer operators, so that they're they're running the orbit orbits. Uh, you have your your tapers, so those are the ones that are writing down the manual numbers. Uh, some of the divisions have people that we call charters, and they are the ones that kind of keep the cars in their particular order, you know, lap by lap. So it's a kind of a different way of doing taping, but it's a manual backup to the computer. Um, and, uh, sometimes you'll have people that are, uh, working with the drivers, you know, sending messages to the drivers to make sure that they have their, you know, for, we're missing some of their information, things like that. So, um, and then of course we have the backup computer operator usually as well. So usually two people on computers, two or more people on, on taping, and then just kind of some other floater, uh, people. So. Got it. But yeah, yeah. So it, you, it, ever, it takes an army. <laughs> have you ever had a race where it just seemed like everything went wrong? Like there weren't enough volunteers, the computer system went down. Like, have you ever had a situation like that? Uh, it's usually, uh, it seems like Circuit of the Americas used to be our, our problem child. And it's probably because there's more drivers and more entrants into uh, that want to go to to uh, Coda, um, and then it's usually a problem with transponders. You know, either the transponders aren't working, the drivers don't have the correct transponders in their in their record in Motorsport Red Red Reg, so it doesn't upload and correctly into our database. So that's usually the problem that we have. We have also had a problem. It wasn't an all day, like the entire race was a problem, but we've had a, a driver uh, crash at at the start finish line and actually take out the the wire 
that fed <laughs> fed to the computers. So that was, and that was literally like on two laps to go. So that was we had to manually recreate that last that last part of the of the race. Oh man! <laughs> Fortunately, uh, so it doesn't happen very often. So what are you usually the computer operator? I usually am for for Saudiv. So, so those sometimes I'm lucky are... enough to go. Sorry, I was going to say that sometimes if I go outside of the division, uh, like go to the runoffs or, um, you know, up to like Road America for those June sprints, a lot of times I'll do, you know, I'll do some other tasks. I'll probably either be a taper or something like that. So are you going to the June sprints? I am not going to the June sprints this year because oh, I'm going to go to Ireland. Oh well, so I'm going to be on a on a girl girls girls gone wild in Ireland trip. <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds great. Um, so the the people that are keeping track of the cars and the orders that are crossing the line, they must just know by heart by glancing probably who's driving what car, what number they have, because they just do this over and over and over again. A lot of times they do. Um, you know, you, especially if like on a three day event, like, like Road America, where you have your practice, you're qualifying in your, in your races. Yeah. You, you get to know the car numbers and, and their colors and, and that type of thing. So it, it does get easier through the, through the weekend to capture that, uh, information manually as they go across the lines, like, oh, yep. And then, of course, as the cars come across, you know which order they're coming in normally. So a lot of times you can see the car color and say, oh, yeah, that's going to be because car number 63 black just passed, red number 32 is going to be the next one kind of thing. So you get you do get to realize and become familiar with the cars over the course of the season. Got it. So you um, race, the last two races were in a Miata. And um, yes. that's the first, that's the first time I've seen you race in a Miata because you're normally racing in something else. So you have another race car, don't you? I do. Yes. So uh, because we have uh, two B-Specs cars. So we have the the Honda Fit, um, and then uh, Kent usually races the Mazda too. So a lot of times I'll race in the, in the Honda Fit. Um, but I guess, I think it was started September of last year. I was, uh, we transferred the, the Spec Miata to Chris Taylor Racing Services. And so that made it a little bit easier to, um, to get the car to the, to the track. So since that's been, since we've made that arrangement, I've actually, I really kind of like the Spec Miata better <laughs> than the B-Spec. I don't know why. Um, I don't know, something about, <laughs> something about being lower to the ground and not being in a minivan just <laughs> makes me feel a little <laughs> more grounded. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I was, I, that was going to be my next question is what it, how different are, I'm sure they're very, very different. I mean, I've heard Miata compared to like, driving a go-kart you know you just you feel a lot more uh, maybe in control where the b-specs are just a little top heavy and <laughs> <laughs> yes I, I always were I don't know why I know it's 
rarely ever happens, but I do worry about tipping over in the in the B specs. And I know I've been on two wheels as I've gone around the corners because, of course, that's the fast way to go around the corners in a B spec. <laughs> but it's still yeah. still a little unnerving. So, so yeah, being kind of a little bit lower to the ground. I mean, obviously, they're both momentum cars, so they're they're similar in that in that fashion. Um, and the B spec racing is is so much fun because you're always, um, you know, sometimes cars are a little faster in one area versus another, depending on the type of car. So that kind of, that really keeps it interesting when the racing is so close. Um, my spec Miata is a first generation NA. So it's, it's a little bit slower than, than most of the top, you know, most of the high, high performance, uh, Miatas that you see out there <laughs> on a, on a normal race day. Yeah. So, um, how long have you been racing? I've been racing since, um, a wheel to wheel since 2000. Let me think, I think say 2008, I think was my first race. And I got started with, uh, that in, um, uh, 24 hours of lemons actually is the first time I think I really, really raced <laughs> on a racetrack with other cars. I did some, you know, I did some, um, well, I'm trying to think what the, I guess, high performance driving experience types, HPDE. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I did a few, the few sessions of that. Um, but really, uh, 24 hours of lemons. And then I did, uh, WRL, World Racing League, a few of those races um, in the early days of of their, you know, organizational racing. So, um, so the first racing you did was the endurance stuff. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Although our our car was a true lemon, so it wasn't very much endurance that we had to endure. <laughs> Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Yeah. We had a we had a 1985 um, Mustang, Fox Body Mustang that one of our team members had in high school and it was it ended up being basically a flooded car because it'd been stuck in a garage for 10 years in north houston so it was a lot of cleanup and it took multiple races before it was uh i would consider it a, a real endurance race car <laughs> got it and then whenever you did your stints like Sometimes you have to work up to that. I haven't done anything more than 45 minutes personally. So I just know that it takes a lot out of your body to try to do two or three hours worth. And it sounds like you just, that's what you just started with. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I don't, yeah, I was a lot younger then. So that's all I can say. But <laughs> yeah, we would do normally our stints were like a, uh, about an hour and 45 minutes, I think, is about what a tank of gas would last for me in the Mustang. Some of the guys were a little faster, so they would run through it in about an hour and a half. But 
yeah, those those first races were were a little intense, I guess, because of the the length of time you're in the car. But you don't really think about it. It just kind of it just kind of happens. You're looking at the gauges. You're just kind of driving and you know just focusing on getting around the track as fast and as safe as possible. And then suddenly your your gas is running low, and it's like it's time to come in. Yeah, yeah. So the Mustang was the very first wheel to wheel. Did you take that Mustang to WRL or was it a different vehicle? Nope. That what I did. We that was the first car we took to WRL, and then we had a, another team that we had a, a spec Miata that we also drove in WRL. But the Mustang was we went to um, Texas World Speedway. T, yeah, TWS um, back when that was still a racetrack for us. Um, and that was, I don't remember that. Maybe that was like 2010 or 2011, something like that. So it was a, it was a ways back, but yeah, that was a, that was a fun, fun car. I, I was always known as Spinderella in that car. Cause inevitably I would like goose the, the throttle when I was coming out of a turn and it would just, there was maybe a little bit of oil or wetness on the track and whoop. <laughs> around I went. So it was never ending for that car. <laughs> Gosh. Um, so Mustang, a little spec Miata. And then when did you guys start? Like, were there any other cars prior to you getting the ones that you're driving now? Uh, nope. I think those were the only cars we did have. I'm trying to think when I did my, my uh, HPDE, if I did it, I think I did that in the, in a, in a Miata. But before that, we even had, we were autocrossing and we were autocrossing in Subarus. So we had okay. a 2004 Subaru STI that we really, you know, that's kind of what we started with when we were autocrossing. That's kind of how we got into the racing community, you know, in autocross and then, then crossed over into road racing. So when did you start autocrossing? You raced wheel to wheel like 2008. How long did you yeah, autocross? Yeah, so we started autocrossing. I think it was 2002, I think is when we started. So when we bought our first Subaru, it actually came with an SCCA membership. Uh, it was a Subaru S, uh, WRX, so it wasn't the STI. Um, and so that's kind of, that's what we started autocrossing. So when we autocrossed all the way, uh, I'm trying to think at least till two, I think it was till 2008. And that's when I was, I started traveling more for work. And so that ended up being when I kind of gave up autocross and just did my, my track days were, were, um, were on wheel, doing the wheel to wheel, the road racing, uh, yep. races. So where, um, have you raced at a ton of different tracks or is it mo I mean, mostly, kind of the ones we normally see with SCCA? I mean, where have you been that you've just, where it was, it's kind of like a bucket list thing that you've been, that you really enjoyed? Um, well, I, well, not unfortunately, but just, just as circumstance has it, I've only raced locally, you know, really in Texas. Um, but probably at some point, maybe I'd like to actually race at Road America because that's just such a beautiful track. And it's, I know it has all of its challenges. Um, so that would be kind of a bucket list kind of track. And we were just watching the 
Watkins Glen race last weekend, the Super Tour on YouTube. And that looks like in a really beautiful track as well. So I think that would be a pretty cool uh, bucket list track to, to go to. So, now, but Watkins Glen, Watkins Glen is really far northeast, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> That's like northern New York, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, I was... that, so when I do that, I'll probably be retired and and I'll make like a month long vacation out of it. Yeah. I was looking at tracks to travel to, and I kept on trying to figure out how to get Watkins Glen in. But every time I thought about it, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I just I have to go so far out of my way <laughs> that backtrack. So maybe maybe I'll plan ahead for next year or something like that. Actually, how far yeah. in advance does the SCCA normally schedule all their races for the next year? Uh, they schedule it pretty early, I would say, probably by um, maybe November of like by November of 2023, we'll have the super tours lined up for, uh, 2024. Yeah. Um, so any real memorable races that you were in that, uh, you know, good or bad, you know, just something you won't forget? <laughs> well, I definitely won't forget our first W, uh, or not our first WRL, our, um, uh, 24 hours of lemons race. Of course that, that, the the lemons racing is always entertaining in so many ways just the teams really getting uh involved and excited and you know getting into their costumes if they're doing a themed race and um and working through the challenges of the different driver skills that are out there on track at any one given time. So you, you can have some super talented cars and drivers, you know, carving their way through traffic. And then you have some cars that are maybe still in development and they're like, could be super slow or the driver's first time on track. Because of course, WR, or, uh, Lemons Racing, you don't really need any formal track experience. At least they didn't back then. I'm not sure if they've changed their rules now, but uh, so it's so I think to me, that's the most interesting type of racing. But when you have such a difference in, you know, car performance and driver performance at the same time. So and of course, on our first race, we were just trying to get the car to make five laps around the track before it, the engine would overheat, which was what we what we were dealing with on our first race. So so it's, it make, was it's kind of it was kind of fun. T t Go ahead. As I say, did you make it to the end? Uh, no, I think we made it to the end of the first day, <laughs> and it was a two-day two-day uh, event. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so is that back whenever the lemons used to have something where they like crushed one of the cars? Yes, yes, back in those early days. Um, yeah, <laughs> and you, you, you probably. Maybe you can have Kent Carter back on your on your podcast for because he had two cars crushed as part of the the twenty four hours of lemons. So they were they were known as the uh, you know because they had such great drivers and their cars were always so prepared, <laughs> even though they were truly five hundred dollar cars. But they would still <laughs> they would still just annoy all the other drivers like we're gonna crush you. So, oh my gosh, I cannot but, believe yeah. they actually did that. I, I just, I mean, 
with all the work that goes into getting a car ready and you show up and then everybody else votes, no, we're literally going to smash and crush your car and you can't race it. Yes. Yep. I, I know there's YouTube videos out there somewhere on, <laughs> on all of that. So it was, it was crazy. I don't, I don't know. I don't think they've done that recently. I don't, I'm not sure when they stopped that practice. Yeah, I, I, I heard I they, they stopped they do. doing that. Thank goodness. So. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. At least they would let you get the, like your safety equipment and, you know, yeah. some of the yeah. expensive bits out of your car before you, they would get it crushed. But, but oh, you're right. God. There's still a lot of, a lot of costs that went down with the, uh, with getting it, getting crushed. Yeah. Well, um, with, with with your experience in racing and um, timing and scoring and SCCA, what would be your suggestion for, you know, we're, we're not talking like a 12-year-old a or just like an adult who who's never raced, doesn't know, doesn't know what from what, and you want to introduce them to the racing world. How would you suggest that they do that? I really think that going, starting your racing and getting familiar with car control through autocross is actually, you know, it's, it's a low cost way to kind of, you know, get, get a taste of speed and car control and, you know, learn how different cars behave and, and in different situations. Um, and then moving on to, you know, once you're comfortable with, with the car, then moving into like a, a time trial type of event. And, uh, you know, then you can feel like what it's like to be on a racetrack and, you know, having more time in the car rather than 60 cents, 60 seconds in an autocross run or something like that. So kind of building up to it, I think is a good way to do it. Um, for somebody that's truly brand new to motorsports, um, some people never want to leave autocross. So that's always, you know, an option as well as just staying in the autocross world because that's yeah. a lot of fun. And there's a lot of camaraderie in that, in that family of people. So just, I'm, I'm going to oversimplify this and you tell me if I'm on the right track for people listening, right? So autocross is on concrete or cement in a gigantic parking lot or something like that with cones set up that you maneuver around and it takes about 60 seconds to get through. And it's typically one car at a time. And, and, you know, the format is mm -hmm. maybe your best run or sometimes is it the combination of all the runs added together throughout the day or weekend? Um, it, I think it is, I think it depends. I think they, different events are handled differently. But I think it's generally your your fastest run um, for most of the local events, I think. But I think on some of the national tours, it may be more of an additive, um, you know, adding up the times all together to, to determine the winner. So, and of course, when you hit a cone, you get a time penalty as well. So I think it's a two-second penalty. So that's why being precise in your driving is important so you can you not just have to be fast, you have to be precise so you don't knock any cones down. Yep. Now, the difference between that and a time trial format is it's one, It's kind of about one at a time. Maybe there's a, just a big gap between them, but you're doing it mm -hmm. for time only, 
and you're doing it on a racetrack. Is that accurate? Yep. That's that's my understanding. Yes, I believe that to okay. be true. All right. And then what is a um, SCCA has what they call solos? Oh, like a um, uh, yeah, solo. To me, solo I believe is the same as autocross. I think. Oh, it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I that, didn't know. At least I know that's that, what I, that, that's my understanding. It could be, <laughs> it could be different. Okay. <laughs> so those changes. So if they are those, those terms are interchangeable. I know that. Yeah. Um, isn't isn't Zach Barnes part of that world? Yes, definitely. Okay. Yes, yes. he's he's very much into the autocross uh, solo too. I think he even does. There's also what they call solo solo two pro. Is that right? Something like that. Um, where it's kind of, um, you'd have to, I, I've never done it. I have never done the solo two, but I think it's two cars racing basically the same, not the same track, but the, the it's, <laughs> you're, you're going to have to cut this out of the, the video because I, I can't remember the details of it, but it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's much more, um, at somehow it's much more competitive. You're actually competing against another driver driving the same course, but like different, yeah. you know, it's Maybe like, have- it's like a mirror. It's like a mirror of the, of the course. Yeah. I yeah. Think. Like a mirror. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes yeah. Sense. Um, so, yeah that would be but that'd of, be something that to look sense. into, but, but Zach, um, Zach, I'm pretty sure has done that. So he might be able to share some information about that as well. He, yeah, another I, I good, you, yeah, you interviewed him at uh, Road Atlanta, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great guy. But another, I don't know if you, uh, he's an autocrosser, has been around uh, SCCA autocrossing for a long time. His name is uh, Roger Johnson. I don't know if you've come across his name before. I haven't. No, but I haven't. he would be, um, you I think he would be an excellent choice for one of your interviews because he has done, he does track design for uh, autocross oh, and okay. he's done it for, for, for many years. And he's also a, a very avid autocross person. He doesn't get into the road racing, um, but he's, he's been around SCCA and I think he's like one of the, you know, um, uh, what would you call it? Um, I'm trying to think what the term is. But it's leaving me. But anyways, he's been recognized when, within SCCA for his all of the work that he's done through the autocross world. And so he's he's a remarkable man. It would be he's very interesting to talk to. Well, if if you have, so I'll have to I'll have to hook you up with him. Please, I I will send him your way. Definitely, <laughs> I will that do that. Be, I would appreciate it. Well, um, I, I appreciate all the time that you've given. I'm glad that we got a chance to talk. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get another chance uh, later in the year or next year just to kind of see how things have changed and see what new stories you've got. So uh, thanks for helping educate me on the timing and scoring and the things that have to happen. And hopefully some folks listening have learned as well. 
I hope so. Hopefully the drivers will be more um, aware of the importance of having the right transponder <laughs> in associated with their car because it would make my life so much easier. So <laughs> if, if nothing and, else anybody takes away from this, <laughs> that's right. what and I better want. Numbers. <laughs> better numbers too on the car. Better numbers. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. I, I appreciate your time too, Gary. It was, it's been fun. Awesome. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening to Driven to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. If you like the content, please share and like, but I have one ask for everyone listening. I would appreciate more than anything to add you to my weekly newsletter. Simply visit my website, driventocompete.com, and you'll see a form to get on my newsletter where I share exclusive content and giveaway swag.